Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. All righty, let's get right to it. Bring in Ted Wynn, NFL staff writer at The Athletic. You can check out his latest piece. It's on the Chiefs' defensive game plan and Steve Spagnolo. Uh, check that out at, in The Athletic. Ted, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, listen, we, we know you're, you're a big film guy and a, and a tape guy. I guess he, here's where I'll start. Um, you know, Kittle only had two catches and Ayuk only had three and Debo only... Were they open and Purdy didn't see them, or were they not getting separation? Is there any way to generalize maybe why the offense sputtered or some of those guys sputtered a little bit in that Super Bowl? Uh, well, if you look at what the Chiefs have done all season, they have been the best team at taking away a team's number one receiver. And Steve Spagnuolo is just one of the best at being able to take away a number one because he has so many different tools and Schemes and strategies for taking away a number one receiver, um, and, and you, you know you look at the, the throughout the playoffs. I, I mean, they, they didn't consider Zay Flowers the number one, so they gave him a bunch of one on one coverage and they gave him some catches underneath. Uh, but other than that, they um, I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but um, before that game, the last five number ones, including Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, I think they only gave up 128 yards total to those guys guys in five games in a row. So um, he's just really good at taking number one. They'll bracket. They bracketed IU. Sometimes they'll show a bracket and then they'll blitz. They just made it tough to get the ball to them. And they gave Debo Samuel a bunch of one-on-one coverage, uh, but then they had Trent McDuffie or Snead press them. And those two guys are, you know, top of the league at what they do. And Debo, as great as he is, is not really a downfield route running, you know, uh, intermediate deep uh, deep ball type of receiver, and we saw that in the game. He wasn't able to win those one on ones consistently. So, um, they you know, with press coverage, you can't get those screens to Debo because those, the the corners are right on you, mm. right? So, um, they just made it tough to get the ball to Debo, and they doubled IU. That's what they do all season. Some of the teams that had success against the Chiefs, they were able to get the ball to like their third or fourth receivers or tight ends and running backs. And um, they just weren't. And Chris McCaffrey had 90 yards receiving, you know. So that's that's the game plan that you should have coming into you know, playing the Chiefs. But unfortunately, they didn't win in the red zone, and they had to turnover. And um, those things could do you in against a good elite defense. Ted, I got like a million questions, but I, I, I know we got a short amount of time, and I'll start with this one. What would you say to the crowd that said Kyle should have ran McCaffrey more? I think 
Um, the Chiefs had a lot more success against the run than people realize, especially with their base personnel, which means uh, just four defensive backs and uh, some combination of uh, seven uh, defensive linemen and linebackers. When they had their base on, um, base defense on the field in the first half, the Niners only had five carries for 11 yards. So the Chiefs had a good game plan against the Niners' run uh, running game. Um, they were able to create negative plays. They get they got the Niners into some long yardage situations on early downs that kind of forced them to pass. And really, the Niners' superpower all season has been: if you're going to put your base personnel on the field, we're going to punish you with explosive pass plays because we have guys that can beat linebackers, and that's been their identity. That's been how they. Uh, been putting up so many points against other teams, but against the Chiefs, they just they couldn't do it because the Chiefs have good matchup players as well. Ted Wynn joining us on 95.7 The Game. He's an NFL staff writer at The Athletic. Uh, you want to check out his stuff he wrote on the Super Bowl and the Chiefs' defensive game plan. Um, it is... I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers, and obviously they just they just fired uh, Steve Wilkes. I'm going to ask you a question that... that you don't have to answer it if you want, but I bet if you ask Kyle Shanahan in his heart of hearts, do you think he wishes maybe that he would have gotten rid of Steve Wilkes in the middle of the season? Because the breadcrumbs now seem to be leading us to, huh, they weren't on the same page this year. Yeah, but, you know, also, I don't know if they have a guy that they felt good to be his replacement because mm. Steve Wilkes does have a lot of experience in the league as a defensive coordinator. And I'm sure that they had some hope that they could have, you know, eventually right the ship, um, too. So um, I, I think they wanted to give Wilt a chance to to get things right. But unfortunately, just um, they just never got on the same page. Ted, let me ask you this about Brock Purdy. I, I told my partner Steiny here, I was shocked that he wasn't overwhelmed. Uh, didn't turn the ball over in this game. And all I hear about, because, Ted, I feel like the Niners let this one get away. We'll leave that there. But, oh, when you're playing a Patrick Mahomes or some uh, a quarterback of that caliber, you know, they're, they're heroic. Has anything changed in your estimation from a Brock Purdy standpoint that he could either not be Mahomes but be a championship quarterback moving forward? Uh, no, I thought Brock played pretty well uh, in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, again, this is an elite secondary. He played an elite defensive play caller that had a really good game plan. And, um, you know, obviously there were some mistakes and there were some plays that he would love to have back. But I think to me, that's where experience comes in. You know, you, he's a, it's hard to – sometimes people forget he's, a, he's in his second year. You know, he hasn't seen a lot of football. He hasn't seen a lot of – NFL football and all these reps that he's having, he is being registered in his mind and it's getting better. Um, but there were some plays where I thought, you know, experience is where, what would make the difference. Like, mm. you know, maybe he, here he could ch- have changed the protection. Maybe on that third and five um, at the end of the game where they couldn't convert, if he told George Kittle to look towards the slot or and he hit Ayuk on the, the hot route, that might have ended the game. You know, but th- that's tough to see as, uh, a second-year player that's still learning and get, getting these reps. But now he has that in his bank, and, and he's going to build on that. Ted Wynn joining us on 95.7 The Game. He's an NFL writer for The Athletic. Um, the the overtime situation with, with the toss, just your feelings on uh, Kyle taking the ball, the Chiefs apparently loving that uh, they took the ball in that situation, and kind of the second-guessing around that. How did you view it? Yeah, I mean, to, to me, 
you know, all the analysis that I've read on it, it it's, it's pretty much a 50-50 proposition, and you can make arguments for either strategy. And obviously the Chiefs believe in one strategy, and they kind of ingrained in their guys that this is the strategy that we want to go with. So they, you know, they obviously um, believed in it, and they were ready to go. And we're very happy that the, the Niners chose the other strategy. Um, but this is a brand-new rule. It's a brand-new um, format for overtime. So um, to me, it wasn't as egregious as people thought it was. Um, and obviously, the, the results were what it was, and it, it makes it worse. But uh, to me, it, it's kind of a 50-50 proposition. I could see both sides of the, the argument. And we, you know, to analyze that, we kind of have to not look at the results and kind of I think we need, we need more um, more evidence to kind of fear which way it should go. But they, they made this rule so, so that it's more fair to whoever, whoever wins or loses the coin toss. Ted, can you help me break this down? I, I, I just can't get over the third and five from the nine, late in the fourth. I just thought a first down there, not I thought, I know, first down there, they bleed the clock, kick a field goal, Niners win the Super Bowl. So... Now I'm hearing and I'm reading a lot of people blaming the O-line collectively. But if the O-line is good enough to get you to this this plateau, do you think, Ted, it's fair to say, oh, okay, in the big game, it's cool for everybody to say we lost in the game? Or is it on Kyle? Is it on the O-line? A combination of both? How do you see that? Well, it's definitely not the offensive line because the guy that got in was Trevor Duffy, and he wasn't the offensive line's responsibility. Uh, George Kittle was in the backfield, um, and he was that extra blocker. And um, I don't know what he's taught, um, but maybe they thought a blitz was going to come from the slot to the opposite side, but it actually came from the, the wide side, which is where McDuffie came from. Um, so in a perfect world, um, Kittle would block McDuffie. Or maybe Brock sees that blitz, and he throws hot to Ayuk right away. Um, but that's definitely not off its line. It's either on Kittle or it's on uh, Brock to see it. It was a well-disguised uh, defense because Fags um, hasn't called that before, and he brought that at the perfect time, and it kind of fooled the, fooled the offense. But uh, it, if you were to put blame on somebody, it would have to be um, Kittle or Purdy, mm-hmm. not the offensive line. Ted Wynn joining us on 95.7 The Game. He covers the NFL for The Athletic. I mean, I think objectively, if we look at the San Francisco 49ers, Ted, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to look a lot similar next year to this year. It just kind of the way, the way it plays out. Greenlaw maybe won't be there for the start of the season, but essentially the team's going to probably look like this past year. So how do they get better and where do they need to improve the most in your mind? Uh, to me, the secondary has to get a lot better. Uh, I thought they were a, a problem. Jimmy Ward leaving in uh, free agency was obviously a, a huge problem because Lenore had to move in to, to play nickel when they had five defensive backs uh, on the field. And obviously, uh, Aubrey Thomas got picked on relentlessly. Um, I thought losing Hafanga was huge for this defense, especially um, the run defense, because Hafanga just created so many negative plays in the, in the run game and uh, he was still good good back there. They dealt with multiple injuries at a safety position. So I think they have to get deeper in, in, in the secondary. They, I think they need a, a nickel or outside corner so they can decide what spot they want to put uh, Lenore into. Uh, but I thought the secondary was uh, 
pretty bad this season. Ted, I was telling my partner, I know football is a violent sport. No excuses. Everybody's got a story. But if you watch that first half up into the green lot injury and Kelsey going crazy on his coach and the frustration that that had set in, there's no way that injury didn't have um, a bearing on the outcome. With that said, uh, going into next season, you know what, what are the ramifications you think of that Greenlaw injury to this Niner defense, whoever the coordinator is? Oh, it's huge. I mean, to me, Greenlaw is a top 10 linebacker, and you pair that with Fred Warner, who is either one or two um, in the league. Um, you know, obviously, the Niners don't have great depth there. I mean, mm-hmm. Oren Burks, Got picked. I think he got targeted nine times for nine catches and over uh, 100 yards. Or, or so. I don't have to stand in front of me, but I think it's something similar to that. So um, that injury is pretty big, and it's a huge part of the Niners' identity is having those two top-flight linebackers just chase everything down and take away the middle of the field. Um, and then obviously Travis Kelsey, uh, went, you know, went off in the second half. So um, I, I think it, it was a huge injury. Um, it, it's tough when you're starting to get to. Um, the, the point of this the stage of development of, with the Niners where people are getting paid to have a lot of good depth because you're paying these top guys so much money. It, it's hard to build out that depth, and you really have to do it with a draft and with guys that um, other teams don't want. So you have to find these diamonds in a rough. And the Niners' defense was pretty thin this year, and we, we saw that play out. And then, um, obviously, you don't expect to lose a top-flight linebacker just running on a field, uh, but it was a very impactful injury. Ted, are you are you done writing for a little while, or do you got something in the hopper that we can look for in the next day or two? Uh, it, it, NFL uh, NFL news cycle is never done, so I'm, <laughs> I'm writing about some of the, the coaching hires, uh, about Luke Getzey, and uh, then I'm going to write about Mike Zimmer's fit, and then um, I have to get into the draft and start really studying these guys and uh, breaking down these draft prospects. What do you think they'll do at uh, defensive coordinator? Uh, or thought process. No, I, I heard, it's really tough at this point of the season because everybody is, you know, everybody is settled in with their positions and all that. Um, but I think Mike Vrabel is an interesting name because mm. he, I think he could cycle between, um, I think he could play, you know, run a four down system. I think he's a really good strategist and good defensive mind. Um, but maybe he's too buff for Kyle Shanahan to change his play calls. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe he, he won't fit in. Uh, Brandon Staley's interesting name, but he's an odd front guy that um, doesn't really fit what the Niners are doing. But maybe if they if they could convince him that he could run the, the Niners single gap system and adjust, um, he could be a name to watch out for too. But anytime you have a guy that's switching schemes, you know, like we, they dealt with some of that with Steve Wilkes, it's it, it's going to be adjustment. And um, maybe Jeff Ulbrich, who is um, the Jets defensive coordinator right now. Uh, maybe you can convince him to want to come home to the Bay Area. You know, he, he'd be a great name as well. Um, so I, I, I watch out for those guys. Ted, I got to leave you. I know, I got I, I got to leave you with this one, Ted. For all the chatter, because it has got some fertilizer that says Kyle can't win the big one. Do you scoff at that? Or do you say, you know what, everybody's entitled to their opinion? There's enough data to show that? Or where are you at when you hear talk like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough to put that the first Super Bowl on him when the offense scored so many points in that um, when he was the Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator, uh, offense, yeah, when he was the offense coordinator with the Falcons. And then 
I just think it's hard when you're play, you're in the Patrick Mahomes era. You know, mm. it's like being in the Jordan era. All these guys that never became champions or never got the accolades they deserved because they were playing in the era of the greatest player of all time. We're seeing a similar situ- situation with Patrick Mahomes, who is going to be in a running for the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, it's mm. just it's tough to beat him. You know, so there were definitely some things that uh, Kyle could have done better. Uh, but I think Andy Reid made a bunch of coaching mistakes too. But he had Patrick wow. Mahomes on his side, wow. which is the uh, yeah. you know the great equalizer. Hey Ted, thank you so much appreciate for joining it. us. Really appreciate it, and uh, really like your stuff. You have uh, great insight. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Ted Wynn, NFL staff writer. Uh, you can follow him at the Athletic NFL. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.